0: anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, spin addict, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And today I'm finally sitting down to record the story of how I broke up with my anxiety and panic disorder permanently. 2011 was when I had my first panic attack. When the doctors in the ER told me it was a panic attack and asked me if I had anxiety, I literally had no idea what they were talking about. I have had so much resistance to sitting down to record this episode specifically, and I have no idea why. I have written... Blog posts on my story I share pieces of my story and my life every single day on Instagram. I have been on other people's podcasts and I have shared so candidly and so openly I've really held nothing back, so I find it interesting and surprising and confusing that I had so much resistance to doing a my story podcast episode for this podcast. And I think it's because I felt this pressure to get it just right and to not forget anything. But it would be impossible for me to share my entire story in one podcast episode. So I'm just pushing record. I'm doing the damn thing. I will share as much as what comes to mind in this moment. I did write some notes as well. And then hopefully you will stick around and listen to all future episodes, which will always have pieces of my story speckled in because I lived with generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and depression for years and I eliminated it all. So everything I do has a little piece of me in it because this is what got me here. This is why I'm doing what I do and because I really, really know what it feels like. I tried to record this episode in December, it was meant to be episode one, and I struggle bust for so long that I decided to have this as a later episode. So here we are, it is January 16th when I'm recording this, and today is the literal drop dead date because my podcast manager needed it like yesterday because it's going to come out on Thursday on the 19th. So here we go. This is a big chunk of the story, but inevitably not the entire story, of how I went from popping out of Van and Prozac daily to living a medication and anxiety-free life. And I like to divide it into parts. That's how my brain works. It compartmentalizes things. So part one, I call medicated and miserable. I was alone when I had my very first panic attack, and to this day, it's still the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. I was studying in the library. I was in my undergrad, and I was 21, and all of a sudden, the walls started to close in around me. It was so surreal. There's a museum in my hometown that has this exhibit called The Crazy Kitchen, which is like this kitchen that moves around and shakes, and the floor moves, and it kind of felt like that except the walls were just getting closer and closer and closer to me. It was as if the library was becoming this small box getting smaller and smaller and it was going to like trap me in. I've like never felt claustrophobia on that level. I couldn't breathe. My vision went blurry. My left arm went numb. There I was at the ripe age of 21. Basically, I thought I was, one, going crazy, and two, dying. I th- I remember calling a friend who was in medical school at the time telling him I was pretty sure I was having a heart attack. And he told me, you know, get in a cab, go to the hospital, and that I was likely not having a heart attack. Sure enough, at the ER, they ran all the tests and told me I was fit as a fiddle, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me, and what I most likely had was a panic attack. And I had never heard of a panic attack before, I didn't know anyone who had them, at least no one had told me that they had had them, I would never heard of anxiety before, I had heard of depression, as I did know of a few family members struggling with depression, specifically one who died of suicide a few months prior to my first panic attack. So looking back, knowing what I know now about mental health, I was definitely depressed as a teenager. I just didn't have that label for it. And shortly after my first, but not last, trip to the ER, I went to my family doctor. He prescribed me medication. I got into therapy through the university and started going biweekly. I was fit. I was active. I would go to the gym with my roommates a lot. I did these bootcamp fitness classes around the school. I would go for runs. I exercised a lot. So in theory, I should have been getting better. Meditation? No, not meditation. That came later. Medication? Check. Therapy to deal with the trauma of losing a family member to suicide. And there was another family situation that really, really rocked my world that had happened two years prior. It just like completely flipped my whole world upside down. So, in therapy, which in theory should have been helping me, you know, deal with those situations, so check again, exercising a lot, check, check, check. But instead of getting better, I got worse. I would stay in my room in the dark for days. I was missing class work. I was not showing up for exams. I felt trapped, like emotionally paralyzed from having multiple anxiety attacks. Um, quickly, I got. I was prescribed like the maximum daily dose of several medications for anxiety, for depression, for sleep. I wasn't getting any better. I kept how deeply I was really struggling from my closest friends and family. And so, on the outside, I was seemingly fine. But on, on the inside, I was very much not fine. I felt like a failure. I felt weak, like this was somehow my fault, and I should just be able to snap out of it. And by 2012, I was fucking out of school. When I should have been wrapping up, I should have graduated that year. I never handed anything in on time. I would always have these panic attacks right before exams, which was so frustrating because, yeah, of course, like as a student, you might feel a little bit of stress before exams, but I was never one to like get so worked up before a test or an exam or anything like that. So it was just like really annoying and weird that these panic attacks would always come before exams, even if I wasn't necessarily stressed for the exam, even if I felt prepared, um, like leaving me like this crumpled up ball on my bedroom floor. Like there were so many times where I was just like this little crumpled up ball on my bedroom floor, you know, debating whether or not I should put myself in a taxi to go to the hospital for like the third time that month. So again, I just like feel like a failure. I feel not good enough, not smart enough, not fulfilling my potential. My best friend and I had been planning to go to law school together in London, England since we were fourteen. So the plan for as long as I could remember was to be a lawyer. And instead I was this crumpled up ball on my bedroom floor who couldn't even make it through her undergraduate. So how the hell was I gonna go to law school? And I ended up having to leave university in my final year. My family did not understand why I left school. You know, those casual remarks at the dinner table about, you know, so-and-so's daughter who just got into med school or law school or graduated top of her class from whatever school and now has this very important job, like just cut like knives. My middle sister, who's seven years younger than me, her high school graduation was such a painful day for me. Maybe you'll graduate university before your younger sister, you know. I was jokingly told things like that, like these little comments. My mother, my grandmother, you know, they weren't trying to hurt me. They they didn't know the impact that their seemingly casual remarks or casual jokes had on me. And I faked it, of course. I acted super happy on the outside, but on the inside, I was in a lot of pain. I was struggling with something invisible that people couldn't see. And unless you have an anxiety disorder, you cannot understand what it's like. All I wanted to do was finish school. Like I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to finish school. I wanted to prove to my family that I could make something of myself to not feel judged or shamed or like they were whispering behind my back. And I don't necessarily think they were doing those things, but it definitely felt like it. Having an anxiety and panic disorder just completely changed the way I perceived the world and my life. Not to mention I had depression as well, insomnia, lack of energy. I was, I don't know if I said this, but I was officially diagnosed in 2011 with generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and depression. And at this point, by 2012, I was having at least three panic attacks a week. I was bartending at the time, so I'd left school. I was bartending two nights a week on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights because that was literally all I could handle. Luckily, the money was good and it was enough to pay my rent and it paid for my social life, essentially. So I I get asked often enough about my thoughts on alcohol and anxiety. And this is such a loaded question for me because I have a very complicated history with alcohol both my personal history and a family history as well and i'll speak to my personal history because my family history is not my story to tell but to this day drinking too much and and being hungover the next day will obviously trigger anxiety and not just for me for most people it's hangxiety famously coined hangxiety but for a long, long time, I used alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism and as an escape. So I was on the highest daily dose of Prozac and I felt nothing. I always describe it like I felt like a zombie. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel sad. I, I just felt nothing. I was just going through the motions. Everything was muted. Everything was gray. It was like this really surreal experience to move through life and, 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 you're you've disassociated essentially and you just it just kind of feels like a dream and you don't really feel anything. And I was working in bars and I was partying a lot. I felt super numb. I was very lost and I just needed to feel something. A big part of my anxiety recovery journey was physically removing myself from those situations by leaving Toronto. I was living and working, that's where I, I did my undergrad at the University of Toronto, or I started it because I never finished it. Um, But I was in Toronto. So a big part of releasing and eliminating my anxiety and panic disorder was physically removing myself from that situation and moving back in with my parents. And yes, of course, drinking and doing drugs was 1000% making my anxiety, my panic, my depression so much worse. But I didn't care. I I don't know if if I consciously understood at the time that it was making it worse. I obviously, looking back now, I know that. But at the time, I don't really think I knew that. And honestly, if I had known that, I honestly don't know if I would have cared. I was just so desperate to feel good for even just a little bit. And I had, I had fun, like I had some good times with some amazing friends. A lot of these people are still big parts of my life. I love and adore them. And although our lifestyles have shifted dramatically, we have all changed and grown and evolved together. And we can now kind of laugh about how crazy and wild we used to be. I don't regret it. It's a big piece of my story, but I don't look back on that time with shame or regret. One of my personal philosophies or beliefs, I guess, is that sitting around and regretting things or just having regrets in general is just kind of a huge waste of time because you can't go back and you can't change the past. But obviously I couldn't continue on like that. And luckily I had landed with a psychiatrist that I really trusted and I felt comfortable with him and I shared with him my concerns over my partying and my drinking. One of my closest friends had gone to rehab around this time, and my doctor wouldn't prescribe me any more Ativan because I was using it daily to help me sleep, and obviously it's a benzo, it's highly addictive, and they will stop prescribing it to you if they think you are abusing it, which I was. And this was kind of my wake-up call, my rock bottom moment. To give you an idea of timelines, this is later in 2014. So, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety, panic disorder, and depression in 2011. And from 2011 to 2014, it was just a very, very, very slippery slope. I had tried three different therapists up until this point. I didn't mesh with any of them. Um, they had me doing CBT, so cognitive behavior therapy, which wasn't helping. I had gained 20 pounds from the medication. I couldn't sleep without Ativan. I could only work twice a week, and even then I would often call in sick. I was broke in a shit ton of debt. Collectors were calling me constantly, which triggered my anxiety even more. And eventually I just stopped answering my phone for anyone. I developed terrible phone anxiety. I don't think I checked my voicemails for an entire year, maybe even longer, like a year and a half, two years. I remember my grandma telling me once when I was at her place over the holidays, like asking me, why are your voicemails always full? Like I can never leave you a message. And me not responding and me not picking up the phone or calling people back or answering texts, it wasn't anything personal. I just couldn't muster up the energy to engage in any type of conversation. That's how exhausting living with anxiety can be, as I'm sure you know because you're listening to this podcast. Um, It's exhausting, both physically, mentally, emotionally, to have multiple panic attacks a week. used to drive me crazy when well-meaning family and friends would ask me, like, why do you feel so anxious? Like, why are you so anxious? Like, where's the anxiety coming from? Like, if I knew, don't you think I wouldn't be in this situation? You know, of course, sometimes I did. And bless them. Like, you know, if you've never, if you have never had an anxiety disorder or a panic disorder, you really just don't know, like you cannot comprehend it. Right. Um, so of course, sometimes I did know, I knew I had obvious triggers like caffeine or really stressful situations. And, you know, family stuff, uh, was a big stressor. Financial stuff was a huge stressor. Relationship stuff, basically any type of conflict, like drinking too much, like obviously, I knew like, okay, yeah, those things were going to make it worse. But if I had known then what I know now, I would have known that the daily chronic anxiety and the panic attacks that came out of nowhere, those were because an anxiety disorder is due to body-based imbalances from within the body. But more on that later. I didn't know that then, you know, so half the time I would get anxious or I would have a panic attack for what I thought was literally no reason. One time I had a panic attack in a cab, heading to dinner with four of my closest friends, a dinner I was really looking forward to. There was no like rational reason for that. There was no trigger for that. I woke up every single day with anxiety. I went to bed every single day with anxiety. I needed an Ativan to help me sleep. Like I couldn't sleep without it because the anxiety was so bad. One time I had a panic attack while I was watching a game show. (laughs) Like, there was no trigger. There was no rational reason for this. But again, knowing what I know now, it's like, okay, yeah, there was ac- There are explanations for that. I just didn't know that at the time. So, you know, the drinking, the partying, the hiding all this from my family, it, it was really all just a big mess. So in 2014, I had gotten in with a psychiatrist who was therapist attempt number four. He was old, he was blunt, he was retiring soon and not taking anyone on, that wasn't going to be okay if he basically had to close his practice at any given moment. My friend was working with him and spoke very, very highly of him. So I jumped at the opportunity and he, like everything happens for a reason, like, but he, thank goodness I did, because he is the one who changed my life. He introduced me to the power of natural medicine. Hey, it's me, Tay. I'm quickly interrupting this episode because I need to tell you about the two workshops that are coming up next week. There is a local in-person workshop and an online workshop. I feel like I need to insert that like classic Oprah meme. You get a workshop, you get a workshop, everyone gets a workshop. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you're interested in diving deeper into the world of gut health and how it can either create or release the symptom of anxiety, you need to get your cute little butt into one of these workshops. The first one is going to be January, So, Thursday, January 26th, sorry, you're going to hear my cat crying because he wants to go outside in the hallways, Abel, shh, mommy's recording a commercial. Thursday, January 26th at 5.30pm Eastern Standard Time, and this is the online workshop. And how this workshop came to be is actually really cool. Well, how both the workshops came to be is cool, but let's start with workshop number one. If you haven't heard of Rebecca from Journey to Wellness, you need to go check her out. I will add her website and Instagram handle in the show notes. So Rebecca is a counselor and a coach who helps you go from anxious and depleted and overwhelmed to regulated and calm which is obviously very aligned with everything I do. She's also a five-time best-selling author, illustrator, and the founder of Journey to Wellness. Anyway, she somehow stumbled across my little slice of Instagram, my little slice of the internet. She downloaded my two free workshops, Calm and the Three Secrets to Natural Anxiety Banishment and then emailed me asking me to come speak to her amazing community. By the way, if you haven't grabbed your copies of my two free workshops, you can also find those linked in the show notes. (laughs) After chatting, Rebecca and I discovered that we are in total alignment with our approach to anxiety. The only difference being that I bring the focus at more of a physical body level in relation to gut health and hormones. And now, we are combining forces on Thursday, January 26th, in an online virtual workshop on overcoming anxiety with gut health and nutrition. And you can get your tickets at the link in the show notes. She lives in New Zealand. So, if you are also on that side of the world, the workshop will actually be Friday morning at 11.30 a.m. New Zealand time. But if you're on my side of the world, it's Thursday evening at 5.30 p.m. EST. Worldwide is crazy. It's just sometimes I have such a love-hate relationship with social media. I love it in so many ways and then there are other ways where it just irks me. But it's just so cool that I can connect with people from the other side of the world and spread this message that anxiety is not this incurable disease or disorder and that it's very much a symptom of gut health, hormonal health, diet, lifestyle, things like that. And yes, I didn't say manage your anxiety. I said overcome your anxiety and no, that was not a slip of the tongue. So that is workshop number one. Workshop number two is my first in-person workshop in years. Which is very exciting and it's with one of my clients which is super duper exciting i love a good collab and how fun when it gets to be with one of my clients so my client liana came to me after struggling with digestive issues for years she consulted an allergist she underwent multiple colonoscopies and she was told everything was fine she eventually worked with a naturopath but her digestive issues persisted until She found me and finally she found relief and she was so blown away by our work together. We actually only have one call left in our package that she asked me if I would co-host a workshop with her on the effects of stress on your gut health. And I, of course, said yes. And when I say gut health or when I say stress, I am talking about physical stress Liana is a yoga teacher, she's worked with multiple medical doctors, naturopaths, like everybody before working with me, so you would think she knows a thing or two about how to de-stress, and she does, but we need to reframe stress. It is not just mental and emotional, it is very much physical. And as a fellow yoga teacher myself, in zero way am I bashing yoga. I love yoga. I love yoga, meditation, breath work, and it's all a really big part of the breaking up with anxiety protocols, but we cannot ignore physical stress and how that impacts our digestive, hormonal, and mental health. So here is just a slice of what we will be covering in this workshop. How gut pathogens, digestive imbalances, blood sugar imbalances, diet, over-exercising, environmental toxins, beauty products, common household products, etc. How all these things create physical stress in the body. And how this goes on to create digestive imbalances, hormonal imbalances, and mental health challenges. And of course, I'm going to tell you how to fix all of it. My workshops are... So action, they're so action based. Like, I teach, of course, but I give you all the action steps you need. You just need to put them into action. And what's super special about this offering is that Liana is a client who knows firsthand how profound this work is and she has helped me co-create this. So we worked together for six months, and then on top of that, I sent her all my workshops on gut health, and together we have planned the most perfect workshop info session that for anyone who struggles with digestive, hormonal, or mental health symptoms, you are gonna learn so much, and we have handouts. So you will walk away with a concrete action plan and know exactly what to do to release all those pesky symptoms you are experiencing. If you are local to Ottawa or you're close enough to make the drive, come. After I am done, the what to do about physical stress teaching portion of the workshop, Leanna is gonna guide us through a gentle restorative yoga practice to help de-stress the body and mind, which I am personally so very much looking forward to. So this workshop will be on Saturday, January 28th from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And the link to sign up for that is also in the show notes. And if you aren't anywhere near Ottawa, don't despair. My online workshop with Journey to Wellness will be very, very, very similar. So no matter where you live, you have options. Just hit those links in the show notes and sign up for whatever is the most convenient for you. Okay. Now back to the episode. And I remember sitting on his couch, like bawling my eyes out, like depleted, defeated telling him everything and just sobbing to him like, I will never be free of this. I will never be free of this anxiety and panic. I will never finish school. I will never get married. I will never have kids, a family, a successful career. Like I'm just going to bartend forever and drink my troubles away. Like this can't be my life. Like there has to be more. I'm made for more. And I'm sitting there like whining to him, telling him that I'm doing everything I can. He literally cannot increase my meds anymore. I'm in therapy. At this point, I had gotten into yoga and I was going at least three times a week, if not more. I was doing like workshops on the weekend. Um, I was working with my breath. I was meditating, kind of like not in the traditional sense or when people think of meditation, where they're like, just sit down cross legged and meditate. I wasn't doing that, but I was doing, I was moving with my body and what has actually evolved into my style of moving meditation that um, I went on to teach like years down the road at a mental health hospital. And I I teach it in my programs as well. I actually have a free five-day moving meditation challenge that I will link in the show notes here if anyone's interested. But I was meditating in that way. There's many, many different ways that you can meditate. You don't have to sit cross-legged. So I was starting to add this to my tool belt. It's like therapy, medication, I'm exercising. Now I'm doing yoga. Everyone says how good that is. you know. And now I'm meditating. I'm working with my breath. I I got really into Ashtanga, which is like the same Ashtanga, the same sequence over and over and over again. So I was able to lose myself in that. And temporarily when I was practicing, I would feel really good. But it's not like I could do yoga all day long and nothing else, just so I can't feel anxious. Like I have to go to work. Like you know, I eventually wanted to do other things. I can't just practice yoga 24-7. And also that would be exhausting on the body. It wasn't sustainable. To which he basically told me, this psychiatrist, like, no, you haven't tried everything. He explained two things. One, I had to leave Toronto for a bit and get out of the party scene I was in. And two, I had to now explore natural alternatives like diet and supplements. And he told me, If I truly wanted to eliminate my anxiety, I had to go inside the body and address the root causes, not just treat the symptoms. He was like, you know, medication, therapy, yoga, exercise, these are all great tools, but they will only help you manage, manage the anxiety, manage the panic. They're not going to take it away. And I was shocked. I was blown away. Like, how had I been working with doctors and therapists for four years now? And no one had said this to me. Like, everyone had said that medication, therapy, exercise, yoga, and meditation were basically all I had. Which brings me to part two, which I call Googling My Way to Anxiety Freedom. So, in September 2014, after this, fateful conversation with my psychiatrist. I walked out of his office to the nearest bookstore and I purchased a cookbook on clean eating. I'm pretty sure it was called Clean Eating and it was by Tosca Reno. I think that's how you say her name. And that was the day that my psychiatrist and I had come up with a plan to wean off my medications. I mean, he I was already like supposed to be off my Ativan so to wean off my Prozac. And he wasn't able to tell me much But he knew food played a really important role. And I had no idea where to start. And although he was a medical doctor, he had no training in nutrition. So I figured, you know what, clean eating sounds like a pretty good jumping off point. I left Toronto and moved home in December of that year, so 2014. And I started nannying two girls. They were one at the time. And their older brother, he was in school during the day, but would be home with me for a few few hours after school and oh my gosh holy moly did I love these children something fierce and I would cook I would cook from the Tosca Renna cookbooks at night she had like five or six I bought them all I would just like cook at night I would cook my dinner I would like make sure my my breakfast was prepped my lunch was prepped I would get up early I would take the bus to my nanny job Monday to Friday and then I would come home and I would cook again and I would do that five days a week. And on the weekends, I would sometimes hang out with my friends who were in town, or I would just lock myself away and read all the books on self-development and tackling anxiety from like a mindset perspective. And I call this my trying to Google my way to anxiety freedom phase because I was just grasping at anything. Like if somebody on the internet said a supplement worked for them or a breathing technique or whatever, I did it. I tried it. I threw so many random supplements at my body that in hindsight weren't actually doing anything for the actual imbalances I had that were creating the anxiety, but I didn't know any of that, right? I never in all of my Googling stumbled on somebody like me doing what I do now and sharing what I share now on Instagram. This podcast, things like that. There was no step by step roadmap. There was nobody saying like, do this, do this, do this. I mean, there probably was because I know several people doing what I do now, and there's tons more for sure. I just don't look that hard for, you know, the people doing exactly what I do. Um, but I just never stumbled on anybody doing anything like that. There was nobody that I was able to kind of follow. who who was able to kind of take the guesswork out for me, which is why I eventually ended up creating that, to take the guesswork out of it for anyone else who's looking to release their anxiety and panic naturally. Anyway, I did manage to come off my medication, but it was rocky. I was seeing some improvement, but I was still depressed. I still had anxiety. It basically felt like, I could alleviate some of the symptoms for a bit, but it wasn't long lasting, like things were kind of helping, but it didn't completely solve the problem. And somehow in my frantic Googling and trying all the things, I stumbled on the website for IHN, the Institute of Holistic Nutrition, which is where I ended up going to school. And I thought, you know, fuck it. I believe that there is something to this holistic, healing, natural medicine thing. I'm just going to sign up for this program. And I didn't have the money. Like I spent everything I had saved up from working. I maxed out two credit cards for this like almost $10,000 program when it was all said and done because, I mean, I guess I was desperate. I, I don't like love using that word, but I think that really describes it. i was I was desperate to feel better and and something was guiding me in this direction. The seed had been planted by that psychiatrist who I wasn't working with anymore. I actually wasn't in therapy at all when I moved home. I was on waiting lists, and I just hadn't gotten in with anybody yet. But I was just so fixated on doing this naturally, which brings us to part three, September two thousand and fifteen learning when I finally learned how to address anxiety holistically. So there's this Desmond Tutu quote, which might not actually be something he said, um, but has been attributed to him over the years, probably taken out of context. But I really resonate with it. And I always think about it even now to this day. And the quote is, we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And that's kind of how I see the medical community, especially with medication, when it comes to anxiety, they're pulling you out of the water, but they're not addressing why you fell in in the first place. It doesn't make them bad or wrong. There's just more to the story. There's more to the picture symptoms are signals our body is sending us encouraging us to dig deeper and address the root causes They're messages from the body it's the language through which the body communicates with us like i'm talking in english right now the body obviously can't speak to us in english so it speaks to us in the language of symptoms so why are you experiencing these symptoms why are you experiencing chronic anxiety why are you experiencing panic why are you experiencing all the other symptoms that come with anxiety and panic That's why you fell into the river. There's another analogy um, I heard on one of my continuing education trainings, I can't remember which one. And they gave the example of, you know, people who can't swim and they're in the water and doctors are just throwing in flotation devices, which is great. We don't want them to drown. Flotation devices save life, but these people need to be taught how to swim. These are band-aid solutions. There are band-aid solutions and there are root cause solutions. And sometimes we need a band-aid for a little bit. Oh, another analogy I love. I'm very visual, so analogies help me a lot. Let's say you break a bone. You need painkillers, right? I'm not against medication for anxiety. I was on medication for 4 years. The last thing I want to do is add to this bullshit stigma that, you know, clouds our society as if if you're on medication for your mental health, you are weak or you haven't tried hard enough that is so not true. My issue is how quickly medication is prescribed for anxiety without doing a complete and proper evaluation. Because let's say you broke your leg, you would need a cast and there would be a rehabilitation process, right? Nobody's going to say to you, hey, we don't really care if you walk again because you can just take these painkillers for the rest of your life and wear a cast forever. So why is that our approach with mental health? Why is there no rehabilitation process when it comes to somebody with an anxiety disorder or a panic disorder? Medication is not always an appropriate long-term solution. For me, it had a lot of side effects. I wasn't getting better. My mental health and quality of life was not improving on the Prozac. The benzos helped as needed, but they weren't meant to be taken every day, and I was taking them every day. Medication is suppressing a symptom, maybe for some, maybe for others, it's not really even working that well like it was for me, right? But it's not addressing why you have the anxiety. To address why you have the anxiety, we have to look at nutrient deficiencies, digestive imbalances, hormonal imbalances, lifestyle choices, stress, and trauma. And you would need a rehabilitation protocol. So it's like, okay, yeah, you broke your leg. Let's take the painkillers. You wear the cast for a little bit. And then there's a rehab protocol. It's like the same thing with anxiety and panic. It's like, okay, maybe you need medication for a little bit so that you can get up and going. You can go back to work. You can go about your day-to-day life. And while that's happening, let's work on rehabbing the body. We need to go in and support gut health. We need to look at what your nutrient deficiencies are. Do we need to support the thyroid, the adrenals? We need to reduce inflammation. We need to balance hormones. As you can tell from my story, I've done my fair share of Band-Aid solutions over the years, and they're just not sustainable long-term solutions. So... To address anxiety holistically, that means to look at anxiety from all the different angles, all the different perspectives, all the different influences. So physical influences, like everything I just mentioned, gut health, hormonal health, inflammation, nutrient deficiencies, etc., Emotional influences, uh, environmental influences and aspects. So home life, toxins in the environment, something going on at work, who you surround yourself with, you know, mold, heavy metals, then mental influences and the spiritual aspects as well of why you have this anxiety. It's like you have this 100-piece puzzle and you're trying to put it together with, you know, three to five pieces like medication, therapy, anxiety, or medication, therapy, exercise, or whatever your pieces are. Like you just need more pieces to the puzzle to put the puzzle together And I can confidently say that even if you think you have tried everything to release your anxiety, I promise you, you haven't. I have reviewed so many intake forms at this point and there has never, ever, 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 ever been a person who has stumped me. There hasn't been one person and i mean you know never say never but to date there hasn't been one person who i have thought like oh shit they really have tried everything i have looked at the list and i've thought like oh what well, oh yeah they've done a lot but not everything never everything but anyway i'm getting off topic i will never forget sitting in class at ihm and we were looking at i can't even remember what class it was but We, we, for all of our classes, we had like a textbook and then we had these course notes and then we had the lecture and whatever this lecture was, we were going over all the common ailments, diseases, conditions, imbalances, et cetera. And we were looking at, okay, what are their causative factors? How does this happen? And what are the symptoms they produce? And this was the first time that I had ever seen anxiety listed as a symptom of something else. And then I saw it again. And again and again, and I was like flipping through these course notes like a maniac going way ahead of the day's lecture, scanning every single page for anxiety, and then like scribbling in my notebook and writing down what they were saying causes this symptom of anxiety. And anxiety was listed as a symptom of so many things, but you know, high estrogen, low progesterone, um inflammation, intestinal malabsorption birth control use, sulfur deficiency, liver congestion, SIBO, dysbiosis, so an imbalance in the gut, um, celiac, gluten sensitivity, all these things. And I had never, nobody had, I'd never come across that information before. So I keep scanning the pages and I go through the whole course notes. I find everything that they said could produce the symptom of anxiety. And then I flip back to the front and then I think, Okay, what about the symptoms of anxiety? You know, like heart palpitations, nervousness, irritability, irregular heartbeat, restlessness, nausea, insomnia, trouble concentrating, uh, sensitivity to noise, fatigue, dizziness. Like insert your symptom here, right? And I started going back through the course notes and scanning for all of those symptoms. And guess what? Those symptoms were coming up with explanations like calcium deficiency, magnesium deficiency, underactive thyroid, gut dysbiosis, overactive thyroid, vitamin D deficiency, underactive adrenals, overactive adrenals, you know, hypoglycemia, so blood sugar imbalance, low estrogen, like low progesterone. again, all these things. And I left class because class was over. (laughs) I don't even, this is why I'm like, I don't even remember what class it was because I didn't even listen. Like I zoned out completely from that lecture. Um, And hours later, my dad found me on my bedroom floor and I had paper everywhere. It was like, you know, those crazy detective boards where they have like all these pictures and then this like the like yarn, the red yarn that like connects everything. Like it was like that, except I was on my my bedroom floor and I had spread out this paper everywhere and there were all these notes and I was trying to piece it all together. It was very overwhelming, but it was also like, finally I had answers. And you know, I'll never forget, my dad walked in and I just looked up at him and I started like crying, like happy tears because finally it was starting to make sense. Like everything has a cause and effect and affects our symptoms and causes our things like diet, nutrient deficiencies, lifestyle, digestive imbalances, et cetera, et cetera. And like, finally, there was an explanation, you know, and every, like, it was information overload, but that day, one thing became very clear to me that, okay, there's an actually an explanation for everything. Like every symptom, every ailment, there is an explanation. You're not broken. Like I wasn't broken. Medication didn't work for me because it didn't address any of the causative factors. And therapy wasn't gonna be my golden ticket to anxiety freedom because I couldn't talk therapy my way out of these very, very real body-based imbalances. So like finally I had answers, finally I had hope, From that day forward, I went to every single lecture asking, like, either out loud to the teacher in my head or scanning the notes and scanning the textbooks, asking, like, how does this or can this create anxiety? Every single day, adding to, like, my crazy detective board. And, of course, I then slowly started to implement things, like, very slowly. I was, like, just randomly picking things. There was, like, no method to the madness. I was just like, let me start here, (laughs) you know? Um, But... I knew to work on addressing the causes first so that I could release the effects, the effects being the symptoms. So I, I knew like enough, this was really early in like my education. So it's like, it was a two year program part time. And this was very, very early on. This was if within like the first month or two months. So I still had so much to learn, but I was like going ahead and reading ahead in course notes and textbooks because I was just hungry for any information about anxiety and all the symptoms I was experiencing. And within three to six months, basically everything was gone. It was wild. Anxiety is primarily treated as mind over matter, right? And I'm over here saying it's both. Yes, there is like that mind over matter component, but there's also the matter over mind. So when I say mind over matter, I mean like, this pattern. So negative thought patterns fuel the emotion of anxiety and fear. And so in theory, what we want to do is identify and correct the negative beliefs and thought patterns, change the way that we think so that you can change the way that we feel so that we can change the way so we can eliminate the anxiety. Yes, that's great. And there is a component there, which is why I am such a huge fan of therapy and all that mindset work. And it is A big part of my journey as well. I've been in therapy since 2011, and the only real kind of break I took was actually when I was at school because I just happened to move cities and I was put on waiting lists, and I just didn't get into anybody again until I went back to Toronto and ended up with my therapist, who I'm with now, and we just do phone therapy now. But then we have matter over mind. So go into the body, find the imbalances, correct them eliminate the anxiety. And everything I had done up until this point was really just addressing the mind. Nothing was addressing the body. Nothing was addressing inflammation levels, gut health, hormones, neurotransmitter production all of which happens inside the body. 90% of your serotonin production happens in the gut. This research has been out for 20 years. It blows my mind that the first thing still being offered for mental health struggles is medication. It just makes no sense to me when the information's out there, but that's like a whole other topic of conversation. You know, I said in my intro episode of this entire podcast, so like episode one, as a nutritionist, I don't just tell you what to eat. And going to school for holistic nutrition wasn't just about food. I wish there was a different term for what I do and even what I went to school for because nutrition really just cracks the surface. And because I went into the program so hyper-focused on anxiety, I attracted I extracted so many tidbits that others in my program wouldn't have picked up on like my other classmates. And I know this because I've actually had conversations with classmates who have told me this. I actually bumped into one yesterday at the health food store. Um, And she was mentioning that she'd been on my website recently and she had followed, she'd been following me on Instagram. And she was saying, you know, some of the things you talk about into connection to anxiety, I never would have figured that out. Like I never would have made that connection. And at first that surprised me because I was like, really? Like we went to the, we went to the same school, we did the same program. And then I realized, no, because I went into it like just so hyper-focused on anxiety and panic and depression. And she said the same thing. She was like, you know, there was so much being thrown at us that you're not possibly going to remember every single thing. And then you go out and then you start working in the field and maybe you go work at the health food store and you just continue to learn the general knowledge, or maybe you go and you specialize, which is what I did. And yes, there was so much being thrown at us. And of course, I was going to pick up on things that were specific to why I was there. And I was there not to be a nutritionist, not to learn general health knowledge. I was there to eliminate my anxiety, panic, and depression. And this is why I've been so successful, not only in my own anxiety banishment, but in my work with clients, because it's literally the only thing I do. It's all I care about. Like I've almost had these blinders on since 2015 and I like didn't really pay attention to anything else. Like obviously I paid enough attention to do really well. And I do have a general base knowledge. Um, but I tell my clients all the time, like I don't run a general practice. And so sometimes they might ask me a question about something else. Like, I don't know, some of my clients, clients have gone on to get pregnant and they are asking me questions about supporting the fetus and and pregnancy. And I'm like, oh, all I can really tell you is the base information that I learned in school. And even then, you know, I wasn't paying as much attention to like the fertility classes as I was paying attention to other things. And like, I did really well in school. So I obviously paid enough attention to get really good grades, but I just retained the stuff that influenced anxiety, panic, and depression. And then since school, I have expanded my education even more. You know, I've I've taken and continue to take continuing education classes and programs. I'm nose deep in research every single week. Um, and nothing, nothing will ever compare to what you learn in clinical practice, actually working with women day in and day out who have chronic anxiety. I have learned things from that alone that have not made their way into textbooks and have not made their way into research. And research is published for a purpose and has funding to back it up. And just because something isn't published in research yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist and isn't highly successful. Anyway, <laughs> another tangent. My program was meant to be two years part-time, like the, my holistic nutrition schooling. That's what I signed up for because I was working full time at a restaurant when I was in school. I would work Wednesdays through Sundays and I would go to school Mondays and Wednesdays. So Sunday evening, Mondays like before and after class and all Tuesday I would study and do my homework. And that was it. I would work and go to school, work and go to school. I saw my friends sometimes. I dated very, very, very casually, but really my entire life for that year from like 2015 to 2016 for that one year really just revolved around learning as much as I could and implementing as much as I could about diet, gut health, and hormones. And then I was working and, and saving money and you know, trying to recoup the costs of what the education was costing me. So after one year in the program, I felt 100% better. I was basically cured, I, I guess you can call it that. So I left. I left the program a year early. I left Ottawa and I went back to Toronto because I still had no intention of being a nutritionist. I went to school to get better. Mission accomplished. Now it's time to go back to Toronto, finish my undergrad and go to law school. Or I was starting to consider maybe being a psychologist around this time. So this is August 2016, and this brings us to part four, which I don't have, I actually don't have like a little name for it. Let's call it The Redirect. (laughs) So at this point, I go back to Toronto, and within the first week of going back, something just felt off. I can't really explain it, but I know it was my intuition, my inner compass being like, nope. This wasn't your next move. This wasn't the plan. Abort, abort, abort. Like you're off course. It just didn't feel right. The city that I had been trying to get back to for so long no longer felt like where I should be. And I fought it for a few reasons. One, I think it was confusing. And also, I was in a long distance relationship with someone at the time who the plan was for him to eventually come to Toronto. And that relationship was actually a huge source of anxiety for me. And I'm not going to go into it in that much detail in this episode because in the next episode, I'm bringing on a relationship coach. And we're going to talk all about how relationships can sometimes be the source of anxiety for some people. So you will hear more pieces to that part of my story in two weeks when the next episode drops. But basically, the gist was I no longer had generalized anxiety disorder. I no longer had a panic disorder. I no longer had depression, thanks to changing my diet, figuring out what was going on in in my gut and addressing that and addressing my hormones. But then it came back. And the reason it came back had nothing to do with body-based imbalances. It had everything to do with the relationship I was in and moving back to Toronto. I was out of alignment in my life. I wanted the relationship to work so bad. It it broke my heart when I had to walk away from that person. And when I did, when I ended the relationship, the anxiety disappeared again. And obviously, hindsight is 2020 and it worked out exactly as it was meant to because now I'm with Steve and he is exactly who I am supposed to be with and that's exactly what was meant to happen. But that's why they say hindsight is 2020. I spent so much time just being fixated on eliminating my anxiety and moving back to Toronto because I thought the only reason I had left in the first place was to get better. But I didn't realize, and it took me moving back to realize that in the process of getting better, in the process of releasing my generalized anxiety disorder, my panic disorder, my depression, what I wanted and what I needed had changed. I was evolving, we are always evolving, we're always changing. You know, when people are like, you're different, you've changed. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the point of this human experience. It's to grow and evolve and to step into the most empowered version of ourselves that we can possibly be. And my life in Toronto just wasn't a match for that anymore. Even though most of my friends were there, even though I loved the hustle and bustle of the city, I still miss the food. I missed being able to try a different restaurant every weekend if I wanted to. I lived there for almost nine years. So of course I was going to miss it, but Ottawa was calling me home. And so at the end of August 2017, I moved back and here I have stayed. And a few months after I moved home, Steve and I reconnected. We actually dated briefly in the summer of 2014, but I wasn't in a good place with my mental health. This was the... 2014, like December, no, sorry, summer of summer of 2015. So 2000 December 2014 was when I moved home, was transitioning off my medication. September 2015 was when I went to school. So summer of 2015, but that was the summer of trying to Google my way to anxiety freedom. So although I was seeing some improvement, I still wasn't really in the best place with my mental health, and. My mental health massively impacted any potential romantic relationships. For years, I avoided relationships and commitment because I felt like my mental illness was a burden. I felt like I was a burden. I was petrified that I was hard to love. I thought I was too emotional, like I couldn't keep my shit together I would go through these periods of full-blown panic. I was fearful, I was always tense, I was on high alert, which made me very reactive. Like I didn't want anybody to be around that. I would overthink everything. I constantly needed reassurance. I felt like I I felt like I was going crazy. I thought I was broken. I thought I wasn't worthy of love. I had a lot of work to do when it came to expressing like my true feelings. Mainly because I couldn't trust the damn thing in my head. So I had no idea what my true feelings were. And of course, the catch 22 here is if you don't express what you need or how you're feeling, the anxiety grows even louder. And so if I did find myself, like, you know, kind of dating somebody or casually seeing somebody, I would second guess myself constantly and therefore the person I was involved with. And so. I found myself in this pattern of settling for these emotionally unavailable partners, people who wouldn't really challenge me to be open or emotional or vulnerable, who wouldn't break the walls that I had built. And when I did stumble across somebody from time to time who was so wonderful and wanted deeper intimacy and connection, I would push them away because I thought I was a burden. I thought I was hard to love. And Steve was and and still is every well, he was everything that scared me. (laughs) He doesn't scare me anymore. But he was somebody who threatened to bring down my walls. He threatened this false sense of security that I had built. And so I ended it because my anxiety had convinced me I wasn't worthy of somebody like him. And being in relationships was just so incredibly stressful for all the reasons I just mentioned. And also because when I was on medication, I had zero libido. And one of my boyfriends earlier on, when I had got on medication, cheated on me. And I told myself it was my fault because of the medication, because I wasn't having enough sex with him, which is obviously not true, but that's what I believed at the time. So, you know, I was constantly worrying. I was obsessing over every little scenario in my head. I would be super clingy one second and like distant the next. And I'd be super irrational. And then I would like emotionally shut down. And I always like had that quote unquote gut feeling that something was wrong when really most of the time it was just my anxiety like making me paranoid. So it's really hard to trust yourself when you're constantly doubting your thought process. I should learn how to turn off the sound effect of text messages coming through while I'm trying to record. Sorry about that. <laughs> but you don't know what's real or imagined, right? You And that makes you feel like really insecure and It made me feel kind of like I was a little nuts, to be honest. Uh, Luckily, it all worked out. The universe had other plans and, you know, Steve and I reconnected two years later. But I also had to do the work first to remove the anxiety so that I could finally be present in a relationship. I needed to remove the anxiety so I could trust myself and my thought process. I needed to remove the anxiety so I could show up in my relationship and my life feeling confident and calm and safe and secure. And I sat in therapy for five years, going around and around and around in circles, you know, working through my attachment styles and my fear of abandonment and rejection, and like touching on anything and everything that could be contributing to the anxiety that was keeping me out of the right relationships. But nothing really shifted until I started to address my body, not just my mind and my thoughts. You can't talk therapy your way out of a digestive imbalance. It's not something medication's going to fix. It's not something a million hours of therapy is going to fix. If you want to eliminate the anxiety, you have to go in and you have to address the gut. So now after that little relationship tangent, <laughs> this brings me to part five. The the now-ish, the present moment-ish. So after I moved back to Ottawa in... 2017. Now I'm getting confused, but yes, this was in the fall of 2017. I did my yoga teacher training. And when that was done, I went back to IHN and I finished up the program. And then somewhere along the way, I had decided that I was going to do it. I was going to become a nutritionist who, had, who was going to help other women release their chronic anxiety and panic and depression. And everything that had happened, you know, after my first panic attack in 2011, and even before that, it was just leading me here. So in 2019, I started taking clients. I was also volunteering at a couple places in Ottawa. One was the Royal Ottawa, the mental health hospital. I was teaching my moving meditation classes there. I was also um, volunteering. Um, At a couple other places here and just helping to teach women in low-income areas about uh, nutrition and mental health. And then in 2019, I started taking clients, moving them through my methodology, exactly what I had done to release my anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and depression and, and adapting it to what they needed. And then after I felt confident that I had a program and a methodology that worked, I turned that into breaking up with anxiety near the end of 2020, which is what you see now. And the methodology and the anxiety management protocols that I now have are there's a many different ways you can access them. They're smaller workshops that are live or pre-recorded. There's the big four-month one-on-one program. And coming soon, hopefully next month, we will see a membership. But it started as only a one-on-one program. That used to be the only way and option there was to work with me. But I've been able to expand the offerings over the years, which has always been the goal. It just takes time, right? Uh, And it's gone through a couple different iterations, a few different upgrades. But the core principles, the core steps, and the core methodology has always stayed the same. Reduce inflammation, optimize digestion, boost natural neurotransmitter production, bring hormones into alignment, master stress resilience, and build a flexible nervous system. And we do that by addressing diet, gut health, nutrient deficiencies, lifestyle, and stress. Trauma is a big piece of the puzzle as well, but you know, I'm not a one stop shop. I'm not a a therapist or a counselor or somebody who's trauma trained or trauma informed. So that is, you know, just as a little caveat, a really important piece of the puzzle as well. And in addition to that, um, you know, you, you need to work on your emotional resilience. And some examples for tools like this are rewiring neural pathways. This is something I love to do. I do this I started doing it a few years ago. One of my favorite resources for this um, are the To Be Magnetic Deep Imaginings. I will link their website in the show notes. Um, exploring your thought and belief patterns is very important. You know, therapy if you can, if you have access to that. Uh, if not, there's still so many of these things that you can do on your own. Facing your fears, practicing self-compassion and forgiveness to yourself and others, meditation working with somebody who is trauma informed, if there is a lot of trauma and working on integrating that trauma and changing how you respond to stressful situations, you know, working on responding versus reacting. We can't really control what happens to us. We can't really control a lot of the stressful situations, but we can control how we respond. And one of my favorite resources for this is a 10 week breath work process. It's a book called the presence process by Michael Brown. I swear by this practice. I've done it many, many, many times. In breaking up with anxiety, breath work, meditation, practicing self-compassion, these are all pieces of the protocol. But you know, like I said, I'm not a one-stop shop. So um I do still think it's really important that people really focus as well, not only on the body-based imbalance piece, which is my expertise, but the emotional resilience piece as well. So there you have it. How I went from medicated and miserable to totally free. I wrote down some bullet point notes of things I wanted to cover, and I actually didn't cover all of it because we're already at almost an hour, and I kind of thought this episode would be 45 minutes. <laughs> I skipped some parts because I'm I'm starting to feel tired. Recording this has taken a, a lot of energy for me. I feel like a little heavy. I feel emotional, but I also feel like super proud and strong and empowered, and it's the duality of like holding different emotions and this is, oh om- man, I have, not that I'm writing a book per se, but I follow a lot of writers. I have a lot of respect for people who write books and they talk a lot about the process and how difficult it is. And and in only doing this one episode of one hour where I'm just kind of like trying to get out as much as I possibly can about my story, I can't even imagine writing a whole book on that and having to rehash it and rehash it and edit it and go through it. It's not like upsetting or anything. It's just, tiring. It's exhausting. So I just have to trust that what I said today was was what was meant to be said and the rest will all come up in further conversations and episodes. So I hope that this inspires you to invest in yourself and I don't just mean financially. Time and energy is a currency as well. And um if it takes time and energy to do this work, but it's so worth it. And you know, I have a mentor who says like you need you either need like time and energy or money. And she's, she's always says, you know, if you don't have the money, that's fine. Then put in the time and put in the energy. And then maybe for other people, if they do have the money, if they are in that position, um, then they would rather put in the money and save the time and energy. But either way, and I say this to, to women constantly all the time. I have so many conversations with so many amazing women in my DMs. Um, which are always open, by the way. So come say hi. Uh, but I have so many amazing conversations, and I'm constantly tell- saying, you know, you can do so much of this for free. Like you can do so much of this work for free. It just takes time, it just takes energy, it takes commitment. But it is so worth it because you can be anxiety free. And actually, let me just quickly wrap up with this. Here are some examples of what I mean when I say anxiety free, using myself as an example. I haven't had a panic attack since 2017. I'm on zero medications. I sleep really, really, really well. I'm unable, or I'm able, sorry, (laughs) to answer my phone and check my messages and check my voicemail. I don't worry that much. I trust that everything is going to work out. I have tons of energy. I'm way more confident than I have ever been. I don't have to hyper plan everything and don't feel the need to like control all these aspects of my life. I never ever experience like daily consistent anxieties anymore. Like when and if I feel anxious because it is a normal human emotion, it passes within a few hours or a day max. It's never reoccurring, it's never back to back. You know, do things stress me out? Absolutely. When I feel stressed and overwhelmed, do I sometimes experience mild symptoms of anxiety? Sometimes, yeah, but not always. When I do, like I said, it passes in a few hours. It's not crippling. It doesn't ruin my day or ruin my week. So can anxiety be completely eliminated? If that means never, ever, ever experiencing any symptoms of anxiety ever again, then no. Anxiety cannot be completely eliminated because it is a normal human emotion. And here are some examples of things that have made me feel anxious in the last year off the top of my head. When I took a supplement with way too much Siberian ginseng, which I kind of knew might happen. I kind of knew the dose was a little bit high, but I'm forever my own guinea pig. So I rolled the dice and tried it every way, tried it anyway. wasn't fun, <laughs> but I knew it was my own doing. Um, getting into trouble at one of my other jobs because I legit fucked something up that I had a really intense anxiety over that. Um, scratching our car, getting into, we have a teeny t- tiny parking spot And um, Steve was super pissed and he rarely gets mad. And I was anxious for almost a month afterwards, like only when I had to park and then it would pass. Um, At one point when I first started my business, the financial stress was a lot because I wasn't making a profit for like a year, a year and a half. I was putting all my money into like the startup costs of a business um, instead of paying down my loans. And then that financial stress and pressure was bleeding into my romantic relationship as it always does. And at one point I was thinking like, do I have to give something up? Like, do I have to leave my person or do I have to walk away from this practice and and like something that's like so important to me? it just felt like an impossible choice that created a lot of anxiety. Obviously that was years ago and, and, you know, we've moved past that, but it was very difficult. Starting a business has been the second hardest thing I've ever done. The first being living with anxiety, panic, and depression. And it will probably always make me nervous and always a little tiny bit anxious when somebody says we need to talk. It's like the worst thing, (laughs) right? Um, And when I get super nervous, sometimes I feel anxious. Like I haven't spoken publicly on a stage yet, but I am definitely going to have anxiety before having to stand and speak on a stage if that's ever part of my trajectory, right? Uh, If I'm hungover, which is few and far between, but sometimes I have a few spicy marks too many and it kind of just sneaks up on you. Oh, the first time I had a reel go viral and I was flooded with like, some pretty mean DMs and comments. And that made me feel super anxious. But as I mentioned above, like, or above before, <laughs> I'm so used to writing things. As I mentioned above, um, when and if I feel anxious, it passes within a few hours or like a day max. Um, With the car example, you know, it was only when I was pulling into the garage and then the second I parked the car, I felt fine. And it wasn't it wasn't bad enough that it kept me from wanting to drive it was just like I I just felt a little bit stressful and anxiety inducing parking for about like a month anxiety stress grief happiness these are all emotions and the goal is not and we cannot suppress emotions we need to get better at feeling our emotions this is how they move through us chronic anxiety isn't an emotion. Generalized anxiety disorder isn't an emotion. Having a panic disorder isn't because of your emotion. This is because of body-based imbalances that need to be addressed. So when I say like anxiety freedom, when I'm free of my anxiety that I eliminated all these things, this is what it looks like to me. And you know, yours might look different, But whatever that vision looks like for you, whatever that vision is that you hold for yourself and your future, please know that it is 100% possible. You have no idea how good you can feel when you get serious about your diet, your gut health, your lifestyle, when you work on stress management, and when you begin integrating any traumas. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease. It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely... Not just part of your personality, and there are body based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action, and the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so 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 much one last thing my legal medical disclaimer the breaking up with anxiety podcast with me taylor jandro is for general information and educational purposes only And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.